The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing. Good morning, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., and I'd like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 11 to 12 midnight on station KGBY-TV, channel 20 in Grand Junction, Colorado, as well as from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with a sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon a landmark in Kali for over 95 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August 4, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hans Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, since wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. We open our Veterans Day program with a most appropriate Veterans Day song by our church choir under the direction of Assistant Choir Director Pohaku Carter entitled Truth is Marching On with the Battle Hymn of the Republic.
The choir will be accompanied by Edith Matsuki on the piano and Pohaku Carter on the organ. We would also like to acknowledge the 65th anniversary of our Maui Branch Church, headed by our Maui Branch Pastor Kenneth and Mrs. Dolly Alverio, located at 1211 Front Street in Lahaina, Maui. Thank you, choir. Now the church band under my direction are ready to play for you the song entitled Hallelujah for the Cross.
Our soloist for this morning is Christy Hahn, and she has chosen to sing for the Lord and for you, saints and friends, the wonderful melody entitled, I Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. Christy will be accompanied by Associate Pastor Marvin Abing on the bass, Mason Asano Sr. and trusty Associate Pastor Aaron Sproat Sr. on the guitars, Iris Lock on the drums, and yours truly on the piano. I pledge allegiance 
Once again, the church choir will sing for you their final melody entitled, Sing America. Praise the Lord. What a beautiful number. Thank you again, choir. And I call upon the talents of Seneca Rose Hahn to perform on her cello the song entitled, I Walk with the King.
The blended voices of our faithful couple in the Lord, Associates Pastor Marvin and Shirley Nabing, sing that inspiring old-time favorite, Rock of Ages. It gives me great pleasure to dedicate today's number to a faithful brother in Christ and prayer warrior, Mr. Gordon Naho'opi'i. Standing and living for Jesus brings joy and happiness to one's heart, making it possible to press on. Jesus is coming soon. That is a promise, and your rewards await you. God bless you and strengthen you, Brother Gordon. Have a blessed day.
Hi, and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melbourne Honda, and would like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Centro, California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. From 11 to 12 midnight on station KGBY TV Channel 20 in Grand Junction, Colorado. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning our scheduled gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At Okamiki Branch Church located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held on Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Kenneth M. L. Vario in Lahaina, Maui, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloy in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K. Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotobato, Mindanao, Philippines. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now I'd like to return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., who will bring forth his Spirit-directed and Spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. The many correspondences received from our viewing audience often convey warmth, encouragement, and support. The generous donations you have enclosed have helped to maintain these weekly telecasts. As a result of our telecasts and your support, souls have been coming to the Apostolic Faith Churches here and on the neighbor islands to accept Jesus as their personal Savior by entering the water of baptism. Because seeing souls saved is a major priority in the gospel work, we feel that it is imperative to use our time, energy, and expenses to bring you sermons such as the one I am presenting this morning and entitled Veterans Day. On November the 11th, we will commemorate the anniversary of the Armistice of World War I. Since 1954, it has been celebrated as Veterans Day. On that day, all veterans, living or dead, who have fought for their country are honored. On November the 11th, 1918, the Allies granted an armistice to the Central Powers in World War I, and peace was declared. 
The end of the unprecedented conflict brought tremendous relief to the people of the world. The terrible fighting was over, but it was short-lived peace. For following this brief respite, nations were plunged into World War II. The Korean War followed thereafter, and subsequent troubled arose have been looming into the international spotlight ever since. Each day brings reports of a new or continued hostilities all over the world, such as in the Balkans, Iraq, and the Middle East. We appear to be heading towards Armageddon. We read Revelation 16, 16, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. This word means the Mount of Slaughter. Many great battles have been fought there, and many more future ones will be fought there as well. The Armageddon theology is the belief that a final conflict between good and evil is impending, and such a conflict will bring about the destruction of the world. No one knows when Armageddon is going to take place. It may be as far off as a thousand years or as near as the day after tomorrow. The belief among the nations is that the end is near. Therefore, if only those who are truly born again of water and of the Spirit and walking the light are going to be saved, and if the end is near, then the top priority, even for government, should be the saving of souls. The question is, where is peace? Men have desired and dreamed of universal peace. Plans for peace have been made again and again, but they have all ended in failure. A declaration of the late President Wilson should be brought to mind in which he said, World War I was a war to end wars and a war to make the world safe for democracy. But it failed in this endeavor. The establishment of the United Nations has not solved the problem, nor has it been able to effect total world peace. Jesus tells us, as we read in Matthew chapter 24, 6 to 7, and he shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that he be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. And this is exactly what is happening in the world at the present time. Blacks fighting whites, Muslims against Christians, Protestants against Catholics, violence, hijackings, bombings, anarchy, and so forth. There are famines all over the face of the earth and pestilences of every kind in the form of pesticides and pollution in the rivers, streams, and oceans, earthquakes, hurricanes, tidal waves, and the change in the weather are very prominent today. These are the beginning of sorrows. I certainly don't want to be here when the end comes. In spite of all the wars that have been initiated, for the sake of the world democracy, America is the only great nation amongst the world's powers today, which has a democratic form of government. Currently, World War III looms as a great probability. Someone remarked after World War II, let it be the prayer of all mankind that the victory achieved may mark the end of all wars. God answers prayers, but if all who pray were to pray that the prayer daily, it would not be answered. One can easily see that politically, financially, socially, morally, and spiritually, the world is waxing worse and worse at ever-increasing speed. Yes, even to the end of time, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased, but sin will wax worse and worse. 
Though united at war at one time, in peace the allied nations are now divided and cannot fulfill nor maintain the peace terms that seem so uncomplicated and simple a few years ago. The news from various countries showed that the end of hostilities has not brought freedom from fear, freedom from want, freedom of worship, nor freedom of speech. It is the aim and purpose of the enemy to overturn and destroy every government in the world. The perplexity and distress of nations today was foretold by Christ. We read in Luke 21, 25 to 26, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. Prophecy is history written in advance. It serves two purposes. First, it proves the inspiration of the Bible, and second, with unerring certainty and accuracy, it foretells future events. In fact, it is greater than tomorrow's newspaper. The fact that the Bible is the fully inspired Word of God is substantiated by infallible proofs. If the situation were such that only one of these proofs could be asserted, then prophecy would be that one all-sufficient and indisputable proof. It is reasonable, therefore, to expect that any unfulfilled prophecy thus far will be filled in due time. We read 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, that is, no prophecy should be taken by itself, but should be compared with the other parts of the Scripture in order to learn its full meaning. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This shows that the Bible is not a man-inspired book. Every word of it came from God through men who were guided and kept from error in their writings by the Holy Spirit. Today, nations are preparing for wars which are yet to come. They're equipping themselves with all kinds of nuclear weapons which will be used to destroy one another, as Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, 10 to 13. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements, that is atomic nuclear weapons, shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all of these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness." For more than two decades, dictators in various countries have ruled with iron fists. They are literally clearing the way for the world dictator, who for the final seven years of this age will have full control of the entire world. We read Revelation 13, 16 to 18, and he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark 
or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for what is the number of a man? And his number is six hundred, threescore, and six. Anyone having the number 666 on their head or forehead will be doomed. Salvation will elude them. All those souls who were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God during the tribulation period and who did not worship the beast nor his image and had neither received his mark 666 upon their foreheads or in their hands will be raised up in the first resurrection. Unbelievers do not fall into any of these groups. Unbelievers are the rest of the dead. We read in Revelation 25 to 6, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such a second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. The second death means everlasting torment and separation from God. This shall be the punishment of all who have already died physically in unbelief and rebelled against God. Thus, universal peace is not in the offing, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor nor ever shall be. Thus declares our Lord in Matthew 24, 21, the great tribulation will be a period of much torment and travail involving the entire earth. It will signify the time of Jacob's trouble in Jerusalem. The Holy Land will be the vortex. The great tribulation will also be a period of salvation. An elite group comprised of the 12 tribes of Israel, 144,000 is sealed for God and a multitude of Gentiles is to come out of that great tribulation. The true church will never go through the tribulation period, for it will have been caught up to meet the Lord in the air. We read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 to 17, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's been a long war-torn road from the armistice hour in 1918 to the present. And it would appear that man is no closer to peace than he was at the end of his first major conflict. Yet, in many respects, peace is nearer at hand than ever before. In the half century since the first Armistice Day, the cry for peace has echoed from the lips of all men, of all races, of all creeds, and of all religions. Christians from these various categories have been among those who have cried and prayed for that lasting and glorious peace which has been promised by God himself. During uh, one of the tours of the Holy Land, the signs in the streets of Jerusalem and at all the tourist attractions read, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This prayer request will be answered when Jesus comes back and sets his foot upon the Mount of Olives. And only then will the Prince of Peace bring peace to the world. When that peace is established, there will not be another armistice, nor another truce, nor a temporary cessation of war. 
The Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ the Lord, will rule and reign, and the age of conflict will be ended. No one will need to ask about the armistice hour again. No one will need to inquire, where is peace? Today, people march for peace, shout for peace, pray for peace, sing about peace, donate money for peace, and even vote for peace, but to no avail. Read Jeremiah 8.15, we looked for peace, but no good came. And for a time of health, and behold, trouble. It is sad, but true. World peace is only temporary at best. Why? We can't even keep peace in our own neighborhoods. Perhaps it is because true peace depends on inward rather than outward circumstances. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And again, he said in John 16, 33, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The great founders of the world's renowned religions have died. Christ among them, but only Christ arose triumphantly over death, hell, and the grave. To preach the self-same gospel he preached on the shores of Galilee. We read in Mark 1, 14 to 15, now that John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news, the good news that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus baptizes with the Holy Ghost and with fire, and Jesus is coming soon. And sooner than many men think, the following is a gracious invitation which only He can extend and a promise only He can fulfill. It goes thusly, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. For today is the day of salvation. If you will, hear His voice. Those who are His sheep will indeed hear His voice. We read John 3, 5, in which we find that nearly 2,000 years ago, Nicodemus heard the voice of Jesus and was told, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And in the seventh verse, it reads, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. To be born of water means to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by immersion. To be born of the Spirit means to speak in tongues, as it is the only way to determine one has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit according to the Bible. We have all been born once and have human fathers. This first birth gave us a human life and a sinful human nature. For we can be saved and know God, we must go through a second birth. This new birth is not a reformation of the old nature, but rather the creation of a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Nicodemus was a very religious Jew, and he had to be born again and accept Jesus as Savior, Master, and Lord. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 souls heard the voice of God through the apostle Peter, preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit, yet some important words of advice for those who rejected and crucified the Lord of glory. We read in Acts 2.38, 
Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And in the 39 and 41st verse, it reads, For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. They that gladly received this word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And God is calling men everywhere to repent, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is calling a people out of a people to form his one true church, of which he is still the head. And the name of the head is Jesus. Peter tells us in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In other words, outside the name of Jesus, one cannot be saved. Now, speaking about veterans, a true soldier in the Lord was the Apostle Paul. Before he became Paul, his name was Saul, and he persecuted those who followed the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. On the road to Damascus, while in the midst of dispatching letters to Jerusalem, a light shone from heaven, and he heard a voice saving unto him, saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Yet Saul was indirectly persecuting the Lord Jesus by persecuting the saints. Paul's response is found in Acts 9, 5, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Therefore Paul was commanded, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now the men who were with him heard a sound, but did not hear the articulating words, Saul, Saul, and so forth. Thus Saul became a believer on the Damascus road. When he heard the voice, but he did not receive the Holy Spirit until Ananias, his disciple, laid his hands upon him. His sight was also restored. He was then baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul was a chosen vessel of the Lord, who was to bear the Lord's name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. He labored more than any other disciple and suffered for the name of Jesus. After his conversion, he went immediately to Arabia, where he remained for two years before returning to Damascus. It was there that God revealed to Paul the wonderful truths about the scriptures which he later preached and which are now written in his epistles. We read in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Though his departure was at hand, he knew that his soul, his spirit, would be living forever with Christ, whom he loved sincerely. It is true that old veterans of the cross never die. At the end of this way, Paul said, I have fought a good fight. Will we be able to say that too? Paul went on to say, I have finished my course. We read Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed 
with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We must lay aside every weight, which are the sins that beset us. Weight increases the obstacles and hinders spiritual progress. These weights may not necessarily be external. They can be in the heart. The moment a thing which is not in God's purpose becomes implanted in the heart and mind, it becomes a weight no matter what it is, and the result is obvious. The race that is set before us is an appointed race. Each step of the course has been marked for us. Paul looked upon life as a race, and he said, Run the race that ye may obtain. This was the course that God had picked out for him, and Paul had to finish the course. Many had run the course before him. We read verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Are you looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, as the Apostle Paul did? I hope so. Since he had been encompassed by countless witnesses, the heroes of faith, and those who had based their faith entirely upon God's word. Paul laid aside every weight and every besetting sin and ran the race with patience. Can each of us say at the end of our race, I have the victory because the Lord ran at my side. God has a course for each of us to run. And we ought to inquire, Lord, what do you want me to do? Paul knew that his time had come to die. He was not going to die a natural death. He was going to be slain and be offered up. It was time to hoist the anchor and move out. But keep in mind, when a ship sails out of one harbor, in due time it will drop anchor in another. We read Matthew 5, 14, Jesus tells us, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Whereas salt has a negative value that is to preserve, light has a positive value to shine. Light is needed where there is darkness, and Jesus is the light of the world. He tells us, let your light shine so that they may glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Jesus is telling us, you are living in a world that is dark with sin. And the only way for us to get power to shine for him is by reflecting him. I have seen saints of God shine brightly for Jesus for a while. Then they permit something to come between them and the Lord. Now, they don't shine for God. They don't serve him. Is your light shining for him today? I hope so. And if you'd like to know more about God's word, the church, and review these telecast presentation in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. On to our next telecast is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of his hands. In concluding our Veterans Day program, the church band will play the Banner of the Cross. <laughs> Thank you. 
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.